asking you to compare me to the Almighty. You're not voting against the Almighty and me. You're voting against me and my can- the other candidate. Like, yeah. <laughs> pick who you want between us. I, he was admitting not being perfect, right? Which is, you know, fine. And I think that's the key with these trusting teams we're building is, is we're not expecting our team members to be the Almighty. Welcome to the Consultant Coach Podcast. Hey, this is episode number one. My buddy Josh and I, we have, uh, I, I'm a trained coach. He is a trained consultant, and we we geek out talking about this stuff. So this is our uh, opportunity to just kind of share some industry tips about what makes uh, great coaches, what makes great consultants, and uh, to pass on bits of wisdom to you and your business and as you lead so you can win in leadership. So uh, welcome to the first podcast on our new podcast. So, hey, this podcast is all about dysfunctions of a team. And we're going to get into what do you do if you have a dysfunction of a team? The team that you oversee is not working for you. And there's a key area if we are missing, this is what contributes to the dysfunction. So welcome to the first episode of The Consultant and the Coach. Welcome to The Consultant and the Coach. We are here talking about dysfunction today. Uh, Man, nothing is worse than dysfunction. I get so frustrated. I yell. I say words I shouldn't say. I've even been known to throw in a Red Bull, which I'm not proud of. Or a highlighter. Yeah, or a highlighter. Um, Stop picking out my things, but, um, man, dysfunction is horrible. Um, so let's start with a little, uh, you know, you, you, Josh, you brought up Psalm 144. Do you want, you want me to read that or are you going to read it? Pull it up here real quick. Yeah. There's lots of verses about, uh, in scripture about trust and truth. Um, this is just one of many, but in Psalm, uh, 144, we have a verse here down in number, uh, 10, where David is crying out to God, as is common in the Psalms. Um, God, I will sing, verse 9, actually, God, I will sing a new song to you. I will play on a ten-stringed harp for you, the one who gives victory to kings, who frees his servant David from the deadly sword, set me free and rescue me from the grasp of foreigners, whose mouths speak lies, whose right hands are deceptive. And I think there's this theme throughout Scripture about recognizing the sinful state of humanity, and we shouldn't be surprised when people lie to us. We shouldn't be surprised when um, mistruths or questions of truth are thrown about. Even Pilate to Jesus said, what is truth? Yeah. Right? And um, I think what we want to talk about, about today is, is the Bible, you know, does talk about not trusting in princes, not trusting in wealth, not trusting in the things of this world. But to be effective leaders, we've got to learn what it means to build trust and lead with truth in our teams and in our companies and in our families. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, you, you, you said, well, how many different stories are we going to tell from our own companies <laughs> that we have been well, part of? Problem with me is I've been at the same company for next month will be 17 years now. So I've been in charge. So unfortunately or fortunately. So we should most, bring in a couple people from the company to talk mo- about the well, dysfunction. I, <laughs> don't beat me up more than <laughs> they have already done. When there's problems, it, it always seems like it's my fault. And frankly, it is my fault because I'm in charge. Buck stops with you. It, it does. Um, that's hard. But I, I've I've 
on my hardest days, I, I love how you pick Psalm 144. You know, he says, verse 11, rescue me and deliver me from hand of foreigners whose mouths speak lies and right hand is a right hand of falsehood. How depressing is that knowing that we can sometimes not always thank God. I'd go bonkers if it was always. What do we do when we encounter falsehood or just the general dysfunction of our team, either out in the world or um, even in our own world or of our own doing? Mm-hmm. Man, what do we do? Yeah. No, let's talk about that today. I think I think the one thing topic we want to recognize and, and probably set aside at least mm-hmm. is, is the, and this is for another podcast potentially, but I think it's also the first thing I do is, is continue to go back to the confidence I have in myself and in my creator and who God's created me to be and as a leader and a business person, and those things, my commitment to that and my family doesn't change regardless of how many times I get lied to in a day because it happens yeah. with great frequency as we've talked about. So I think I think we want to separating identity from yeah. truth, right? And I think the first thing to do is not allow your identity to be uh, rocked by the fact that someone lies to you, Yeah. right? Because um, God is the God of truth, and, and that's really the only place of uh, full truth we will ever get. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think it's, that's the first step. So d- dysfunction. Dysfunction yeah. on teams uh, that you consult with, dysfunction with people that I coach with or even lead. Yeah. Um, why is there dysfunction, man? There shouldn't yeah. be. Yeah. You would think it's 2021. We should have figured it out by now. Why? Right, right. Well, you know, I think we've talked about, at least in my consulting experience, a lot of it's just based on... Um, we talked about toil. We've yeah. talked about sin. Mm-hmm. We've talked about th- those are just natural like world realities. But also, more importantly, uh, more directly in the business world, you know, and I could point to several examples, and we could talk about the nuances of each. But I've been in several companies, worked for several CEOs, who their leadership dysfunction, right? Their character deficiencies, as we mm-hmm. were talking about on our run on Thursday, is um, directly causing the dysfunction. So for those who are listening, and if you're a CEO. Uh, or in the C-suite of a company, you need to recognize that you and your executive team are are likely having a direct influence in, in the dysfunction in your organization, right? That's number one. Um, and, and there's there's accountability there to be had, and, and I think you know that's where at least I help my clients is, is work through that and mm-hmm. what that means. Uh, from an organizational perspective, you from a coaching and executive perspective, co- executive coaching. Uh, the other second thing I think we can look at then, I told you this before we got on, was the best teams I've been a part of, right? have been those who I work for, some kind of manager, director, leader, who they are so good at understanding the dysfunction of the organization and they are a capable leader who can effectively shield the team from the executive dysfunction. Right? Yeah. And, and also to some degree the executives are contributing. Well, but many times it's a local leader, a middle manager, director, something like that, who is really capable at shielding their own people from the dysfunction they have to actually live with themselves. <laughs> yeah, so dysfunction's inevitable. I was, you know, I, I, I shouldn't quote it more than I do, but I quote it so frequently. It's Genesis 3.18. This is post, post-fall, and, you know, Adam and Eve is screwed up, and it says, thorns, and as part of the curse, it says, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the fields. And I was telling that to my pastor, and he's like, Eric, don't you dare make that your life verse, man. That is not a pleasant verse, but I part of me is encouraged by that, because, like, when things don't function, oh, yeah, this is part of the curse. This just naturally happens. It is, so how do we 
deal yeah. with it. Well, and I think the other piece of that is that we believe in redemption as well. Oh, yes. Right? So things mm-hmm. are broken. And so the first thing we have to do is not be surprised. Second thing we have to do is have hope for redemption in mm-hmm. that relationship, in yep. that team, right? Um, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example, but I've worked for a lot of teams where I've, you know, attempted to sort of convey that message to the leader, and, and sometimes they really have a hard time hearing that feedback, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think the first thing leaders need to do is not only be willing to recognize it, but we also be willing to um, take the feedback. Like I think of the story about David, right? And he had um, sinned with Bathsheba and and he sort of had, and Nathan, right? The prophet, I think it was Nathan, yeah, it was came Nathan. to him mm-hmm. and told him the story about the man stealing the sheep and all this other stuff. And David gets outraged, right? And then Nathan says, you're the man, right? You're the person in this story. Yeah. And instead, like most of us do, get defensive. He owned it, right? So I think the first thing I try to encourage leaders to do is be self-aware and confess like their wrongdoing, confess where they've contributed, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's where an executive coach can help them too, or well, a counselor. And it hurts oh, to do that too, because what you're saying is you're saying, hey, I'm in charge and I messed up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even a simple example, you know, I was, we always like to draw with our wives and yeah. our kids, you know, even starting at home, building those habits in maybe less risky ways, assuming it's not major <laughs> things you have to confess of. But, you know, my kids are getting the age now where they'll say, oh, daddy, don't do that. That's not, you know, that's not worth, you know, I eat before we pray, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm hungry. And they scold me and I, and I don't say, oh, no, I'm the dad and the rules don't apply. I mm-hmm. say, you're right. You're I'm right. sorry. Mm-hmm. You got me. Right. And so I think it's, practicing that process in in less risky ways and then starting to introduce that in business ways right oh you're right i missed that edit on the powerpoint deck that was my mistake i wasn't re- i was going too fast you know start with simple things right mm-hmm. don't be afraid to admit when you're wrong because that's that's cu- the culture around that gets problematic well, l- let's go back a half step mm-hmm. and i'll say you know what is dysfunction because it it is literally everywhere and i'm for better or worse, I, I have the ability of seeing dysfunction mm-hmm. almost everywhere. And, and, and in fact, I can predict the future. So tomorrow we have our full team meeting. We have it once a quarter. We have 62 team members based in the U.S., across four locations, as well as in the Philippines. So it's via Zoom, as is everything else. And yeah. I'm talking to my IT person. I'm like, okay, so we're ready for the meeting. Oh, yeah, I think we'll have it, I think. I said, are we ready for the breakout rooms? Uh, yeah, I think. And I'm like, we have a meeting tomorrow, 62 team members, and you're telling me I think, and you're furrowing your brow. I don't feel all that confident. Yeah. Now, as we learn about dysfunction, can we predict the future, which I think we can. I'm not saying we have to be so anal about every single piece. But I, I did go, and I said, okay, well, why don't you talk to so-and-so? You guys are putting the meeting on together, and just make sure that everything is figure it out ahead of time. And mm-hmm. I'm not just going to trust them and let them go. I'm going to ask the questions and probe. Now, can I set the meeting up and break out groups and I'll name it myself? Absolutely. But then if I only do that, dysfunction, if, if you just uh, put your finger in the dikes or you're just playing whack-a-mole, it, you can only do so much. Maybe you have a one or two person organization, but mm-hmm. if you want to get bigger, we have to get to the bottom of some of these core issues. Can they figure it out ahead of time? How do we deal with that dysfunction? Right. Any other thoughts? Right. Just even, let's start, what dysfunction is to you? Right. 
Well, let me give you a great example. Because I <laughs> early in my career, um, I won't name the organization, but it was a large pediatric health system that exists in our country, one of the top ten in the country. Um, you don't give the name, but you give us one of ten to choose from. Exactly. Okay, there uh, you go. it's right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's on my link- and it's on my LinkedIn profile, so okay. whatever you know. Um, but really dynamic organization. I was I did a residency there. I did um, worked there for about two years, and it was interesting because they had launched this really progressive partnership to help them advance their goals, and and with with a couple other large organizations mm-hmm. nearby, pretty progressive. And because of the the, the the CEO's perspective, which I'd come to learn, was effectively, if they don't question the little details, they'll never question the big details. In particular, talking about putting decisions or documents or anything of any kind in front of his board, right? Because the CEO is most concerned about his board. Well, this particular partnership happened to also be chaired by his boss. So it was chaired by the same person who was the chairman of the health system's board. Mm-hmm. Okay, And I was the fifth person in 18 months to be given management of this partnership the other four had been fired for reasons such as there weren't enough plates for people to get their food at the meeting the ceo did not want anybody putting fingers in the dike they didn't want holes in there to begin with right Mm -hmm. and it was extremely cutthroat i mean he just fired people or moved them out of the organization Mm -hmm. or somewhere else because of that right and it was really sensitive this so you're saying there's some major dysfunction going major dysfunction from the ceo don down right at the same time though knowing that that was the issue right recognizing that i had to respond to this this had literally this ceo's nine board members ceo and two lieutenants from each of the top three um health care organizations in this entire community Mm -hmm. like large metro area and they, you know, so it was sensitive topics, right? And so, you know, I basically figured out how to manage every detail down to the nitty gritty, every meeting, every document, every plate. Every, I mean, one time we had even a, <laughs> a plunger of a coffee pot go awry and I made sure there was a backup in the back room and so when that happened I the CEO like immediately gave me a look like he was pissed I got up quietly from while the meeting is going on I walked over I pulled it out I took it in the back and I swapped plungers with another one and put it back and we had plenty of coffee it was fine because we had to be prepared to do that and have deep strategic conversations on key issues for 50 years into the future okay right at the in, in any given moment right and successfully was able to build that for two years. We built out like seven working groups, had representatives from all over the city and the county and the police and the, um, other places. So it was pretty I, I love so, this example that you're giving right yeah. now. So what you're telling me is there was dysfunction in this organization. Absolutely. There's no getting now, away from it. But not only was there dysfunction, um, in, in your opinion, why was there dysfunction? Let's go all the way back to your very first day. Why? Yeah. You know, well, it came from the CEO, came from his approach. It seemed to come from a command of the details he felt he needed and was not getting mm-hmm. from the people in his organization. Okay. Now, I don't know whether that was realistic or not. It tended, seemed to us on the front lines of kind of the strategic development group to be excessive. Um, but for whatever reason, he had deep discomfort with literally bullet points that weren't the right font. Mm-hmm. Uh fonts that weren't the right size um and and that was sort of his 
So inability to deal with that, right? His his mantra, right or wrong, yeah. was if if I present something that has zero errors in the little details, I don't I don't think they'll ever question the big details. I'm trying to get them to, to decide on, right? Mm-hmm. Versus right, if you misspell the word cat on a slide, yeah, yeah you're not going to get a board member it's to trust K-A-T. you, right? You're not going to get a board okay. member to trust you with a five million dollar decision, right? I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that there's truth in that. There is some truth in that, yeah, right? We, I, I've actually learned a lot from that in my career, but it was also really painful for me for the other people around me um so i I don't have a good answer to it but i think that's what dysfunction is is something that's hard to pin down yeah and And, and here's for for better or worse what i love about growing organizations is we should always be dealing with problems Mm -hmm. our problems should be getting bigger Mm -hmm. and bigger and bigger i laugh at the problems that I used to have to deal with from 25 years ago. Literally, it's like, can I get so-and-so to show up for work on time? Right. Um, and now it's huge, huge problems. And that's what we're called to do as leaders. We're, let, let's grow our problems and deal with bigger mm-hmm. problems and bigger problems mm-hmm. and bigger problems. Um, and so on one small side, last, you know, I, we have family meetings every single week. Our dysfunctional of our family meeting yesterday was like, oh, who's sitting on the couch next to whom? I mean, what a small problem. But it was kind of a fun problem because, you know, I have four kids and some of them are young and eye contact. But my goal with my parenting is, you know, my kids go from having eight, nine-year-old problems to Mm -hmm. someday running organizations and having really big multi-million, maybe even billion-dollar problems. Mm -hmm. Dysfunction will teach us, you know. And so the why behind dysfunction is, yeah, it's going to inevitably happen. How do we encounter it right um so if you see dysfunction from a consulting perspective how mm-hmm. do you approach it do you just what do you do? just like oh shucks here's the answer or, or what do you do you see dysfunction yeah no it, and that's in dysfunction comes in several ways several kinds of which we're only talking about trust today yeah. which there are mm-hmm. several right um i think it depends a lot on the type of problem, the type of organization, large or small, the type of client, the personality of the client. You know, it's all about in delivery of an issue. You want to understand who you're delivering it to and the way you, you know, how direct you are, mm-hmm. how much they need to come to the conclusion on their own, um, how much the problem is the person I'm working with, you know? So I've had a person I've worked with for a while who, who has chosen to lie a lot. And so I've realized that the problem lies in their truth telling or lack mm-hmm. thereof. Um, so I think it's just about understanding the organization. I think it's about being patient and trying to slowly kind of bring up issues, ask questions. I actually had a call with a client this morning who, who said, oh, that's a really good question. I said, well, I'm not here to always give you the answers. I'm here to help you think through it yourself, mm-hmm. right? Because I think many times the, the people I work with, they understand. I, I, I humbly recognize they understand their situation better than I do. Right. Oh. Typically. And, and mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And I could never, you know, I can't prescribe a solution. Like, there's a general framework for strategic planning. There's a general framework for growing a new revenue. There's a general framework for how to save money. But I can't, I don't, I'm not the expert in that business. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, maybe not in that market, right? Um, so I can, you know, I try to guide the people I work with to sort of understand who they are, what their teams are, what they're trying to do, what they're trying to accomplish. Um, and usually that bears good fruit. Mm-hmm. What about you? When you're coaching, like how do you deal with that? Well, coaching, it, 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 it comes down to one of three things. And I can pretty much put 
all three things coaching into one of these three categories. And the first one's op- obvious, competency. How well do we mm-hmm. do our job? Is the competency of whether or not one is uh, an astronaut or even a homemaker or, you know, or um, in my industry, home medical equipment. Do, do you know your industry? Do you know what you're doing? And that's that's the easiest that's one. The I don't, don't yeah. want to get into competency because that's pretty – when I say easy – it's it, it's very cut and dry. Do you know how to sell your widget, bring it to market, you name it? And that's really what a consultant is amazing at. Now, the secret sauce for coaches, I believe, starts with character. Because character is what's underneath things. Mm-hmm. And when there is a character flaw, that can sabotage the best competency in the world. So I've seen tons of people, they know their product inside and out but because of a character flaw either fibbing or saying hey i'll get this done or they don't or i'll get Mm -hmm. this invoice and Mm -hmm. they don't Mm -hmm. it can sabotage an entire organization sabotage a trust you name it it's the character site and that's what makes things really really hard so let me ask you a question on that how often when you work with leaders are they aware of that character flaw before you bring it up and two, when you do bring it up, how often are they willing to admit to it? Because I think that's the one thing we all look at ourselves and go, I'm a pretty high character guy. I'm, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm pretty good. And I would all, say I'm, all I would things say, are right in my I, world. And it's hard for men, sci- especially to, this to is admit not this. Scientific, I would say probably 95% they're ignorant of it. Yeah. So, so, how do you get, so how do you get them to recognize it? Or do you just have to like not deal with it, a less than optimal environment where they're never going to tr- see what you're trying to tell them? the secret sauce oh okay yeah (laughs) (laughs) but uh, and 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 the reason why is everyone's different yeah i would have to see them in work i'd have to see what um how they lead and the way i figure it out is i look at their fruit and Mm -hmm. really it's like any other it's like any tree that's out there you know we're in we're in yakima washington and he was like well how good is your orchard josh I can tell you about it, but if I point to the orchard and there's no apples on the tree, you'd be like, you can talk a good talk. Your orchard stinks or is rotten. I gauge progress based on the fruit. So if I were to come into your organization, I would say, great, let me talk to your team members underneath you. What do they say about Josh? Mm -hmm. How are they learning? How are they growing? Mm -hmm. And that is where I see the character. Can you take your competency you have and bring it down to the character? And are you growing them? So can character be taught or is it innate and it's set? uh, I, I absolutely can be taught. Okay. You know? I mean, to an adult, right? Some sort of, sort of, I sort of think of that as a nature nurture thing. Like some people are just born with and or gain character, right? When they're kids and where they grew up and can they overcome a character deficiency? I, I believe so. Okay. All right. And even if you might say no, as a Christian, I would say the Holy Spirit can change anything as well too. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I would say absolutely. Yeah. Anyone's character can change. Anyone. Yeah. Um, but if it's something's going wrong, it'd just get progressively worse and worse and worse. Right. Um, so as we're talking dysfunction, um, on the base level of dysfunction, uh, and I take this from Patrick Lencioni in the five dysfunctions of a team, he would say the very base level of dysfunction when you have it on a team at your business or wherever it's at, 
base level is trust. That is the answer. Right. Um, is that what you've seen, Josh, as you've gone into organizations and consulted? I know I've seen that coaching. Yeah. Well, I think trust, and I think in particular, it's also uh, trusting each other with what. So underneath trust, I think there's an element of expectations that have to be clarified. Right. That's why I like a statement of work when I'm consulting. That's why I like a job description when I'm doing a job. It's, you know, as I told you, it's, it's not, um, it's not trusting, like we learned in the scripture, it's not trusting in princes for our salvation. It's not trusting in wealth for our salvation. It's not trusting in Susie for our salvation. It's trusting her to do her job in that department, processing that business process, yeah. right? And, and giving her the tools to be successful and then trusting her to do it and not have to micromanage or take more time fixing mm-hmm. those problems, right? And, and it's on that person to do it. Um, you know, it's, I sort of think back to the election, actually, you know, <laughs> one of the things, and not trying to pick out which party or which person, but I think, I've been Joe Biden, you said, you know, I'm not asking you to compare me to the Almighty. You're not voting against the Almighty and me. You're voting against me and my, can- the other candidate. Like, yeah. <laughs> pick who you want between us. I, he was admitting not being perfect, right? Which is, you know, fine. And I think that's the key with these trusting teams we're building is, is we're not expecting our team members to be the Almighty. <laughs> oh, because <laughs> right? thank we, God, because they're not. And we have to do, and we have the same same humility as the leader of mm-hmm. our team, right? Is, is tell people, I'm not perfect, guys, right? Here's what I can give you, and setting clear expectations for yourself and for them, right, as best you can, mm-hmm. and, and, and admitting when we're wrong, right? And I think that lays the foundation. What, what, what do you find? And uh, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And a lot of it is the base level of trust. Trust is the first answer when you have dysfunction. What can you trust someone with? Mm-hmm. And this is figuring things out. I don't, I don't, we're in the process of hiring a new customer service rep and she's out on the floor today. Um, I, the first two weeks, she just needs to show up for work. That's all she needs to do. I'm not going to ask her to bill anything. I'm not going to ask her to sell anything because the trust isn't there yet. Trust has to be gained over time. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we either give too much trust, um, too early or sometimes we never give it over time Mm -hmm. there there comes a point where yeah go ride your bike now without training wheels go do it are we going to trust our team and it's figuring out the process where are we today whereas we where are we going i think of uh flying a kite with my kids and you know if i if i never let the kite out Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can make it fly maybe nine, ten feet up in the air. Now, if we all of a sudden have a windy day like we had this last week and you let it out all at one time, the flight is just going to take off. And then when it hits the end of that rope, it's going to break the rope mm-hmm. because it went too high, too fast. And we can do the same thing with our team members. We'll lose them. Well, why? They, got, they, they had such high potential. Yeah, but you let the kite out too fast. Yeah. And it's gone. Well, and I think the other thing you're making me think of, too, and this backs up a little bit, and probably from a coaching perspective and the character piece, is I think as leaders we have to evaluate our own capacity to trust, mm-hmm. right? So one of the things I've worked through in my life and I'm still working on, right, and we're not getting into ourselves today, but we will as this podcast goes on. But, you know, I have been challenged in my career to know how to trust other people, and that goes back to childhood yeah. issues and development issues and lack of you know ability to trust others around me for lots of reasons. Um, and so I think as leaders, we also have to recognize we bring our own level or lack of ability to trust those around us, sort of this idea of 
if anyone's going to get it done right, I got to do it myself, right? Yeah. And if and if you see if you have that perspective as a leader, it's not just about finding different people to do the job. It might be you have to work on yourself, right? Yeah, Your ability absolutely. to trust because if you can't trust, it doesn't matter, right? In some ways. Yeah, and it, but here's here's what's hard, and if you're listening to this podcast, you can probably think I can do it better myself, and I would probably agree with you. You can do it better yourself, but you can only do so much yourself. And if we're going to make amazing organizations grow bigger and better and be more productive, there's a point where we need to invest into others because you can only run so fast yourself. Whereas when we're working together on mm -hmm. the podcast, we're working together on other things. When I'm working together with my team, when I'm working with my family, yep. we can do more working together. And this is where some of the, I can't trust anyone. Well, you got a problem because if we're going to grow this family, if we're going to grow this organization, we've got to work together as a team. Yep. I laughed every fall. There are some great NFL football players on horrendous teams. They have mm. not learned to work together as a team. They're like, well, yeah. I have great stats. Well, good for you. You're 2-14. and 14. That's horrible. Yeah, yeah. It's how does the team come together? Well, and it's interesting. I've been watching in this old because a lot of people probably watched this last year but i've been watching that um <clears throat> series on the 1990s bulls oh yeah right mm -hmm. and there's an interesting comment in there about how jordan struggled and early on he was sort of seen as a great scorer but not a winner right and he couldn't get past the pistons he couldn't mm -hmm. get on right and it was really interesting how they specifically his teammates after the fact now were interviewing them and they, they, one of them said what jordan figured out about 91 92 was not how to be a great player. He figured out how to win games. Yes. And mm -hmm. that included basically manipulating the chessboard of a game in his sort of advanced basketball IQ mind, mm -hmm. right? Like world-class IQ, where he could actually effectively win games, not by scoring everything, but by facilitating the teamwork in the right way. Michael Jordan was awesome. He was. <laughs> no but I, I love what you said yeah and i i grew up hating michael jordan just hating him he was arrogant oh sure but as time went on he beat the sonics that year uh, yes we would have he, he beat sean kemp and gary payton yeah. and nate mcmillan oh my gosh he was amazing because yeah. not only was he a great scorer and a great defender, he understood how to motivate his team. Yes, that's what, he, that now, was the, that's what made him a difference as a leader. And now I appreciate it because I see what he did. Yep. And even on football, as much as I despise Tom Brady, he's amazing in terms of a quarterback and leading. He understands how to do it. Yep. I will at least appreciate that even though I do not like right. whatever team he is playing on. But I think as leaders, one of the key parts is building that trust, right? Getting it back to what we're yeah, trying to and do. Yeah, and you have to have that trust. So yeah. on the base level of, you know, if you have dysfunction on your team, the first thing you need to look at is is their trust. Yep. And what? Yeah. yeah. And, and and can you as a leader, do you have the capacity to build that trust if it's not there? Yeah. Right. And, and that's that's where you start with a consultant and to look at the business, a coach to look at yourself. Mm -hmm. right? And sometimes if you can't trust your team, hmm. You need to get rid of them. If you find that, yeah. If you look yeah. at it, that's and, one and possible if, outcome. And if they can't grow, mm -hmm. absolutely, get rid of them. Yep. Fire them. Mm -hmm. Now, you have to be careful. Do you, do you fire them all at one time or over time? Yeah. But number one, you have to have a base level of trust. Right. And what does that look like? Um, 
and the, you know, it, it goes up from here. So from a coaching perspective, you know, there's, you know, whether it's conflict, commitment, uh, what, what are the results? There are a number of different ways that you build an organization and what that looks like, mm-hmm. but we've got to, and this is where, um, having an experienced consultant or a coach, we can look at things and say, okay, is this an org problem where things need to be moved around? Or is this a coaching issue where we're looking at both competency of how someone learns their job or their character, or even the community that mm-hmm. builds things up? Yep. They're like, really, another picnic? Well, yeah, I'm not huge into picnics, but the community aspect of things and how that motivates a team is really, really important. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, and similarly, as a, as a consultant, you know, I mentioned I was talking with the client this morning and, and guiding them through this process of, uh, I think there's been some trust that's been broken between them and some leadership, mm-hmm. some trust that's been broken between them and their organization. And so guiding them through a strategic planning exercise is particularly unique because it's not just about the next five years of the organization, but it's this leader's fit with those next five years and their decision process around which has the trust effectively been broken? Have they yeah. outlasted their leadership capacity for that organization? Which naturally happens. It's not wrong. It's mm-hmm. just part of what happens. So, um, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, we were talking seasons and rhythms. Yeah, There's exactly. a season for everything. Yeah. Well, I'm never going to leave. Well, eventually you're going to die. Right. Right. Um, so what season are we at least preparing for that? Or what's, is the next season of growth or stagnation or whatever? I don't want to talk about that. It'll take care of itself. Yeah. Um, rarely does it take care of itself. Rarely does it take care of itself. <laughs> exactly. That's right. So coming back to trust, trust is the foundation. If we have a dysfunction problem, but what happens after this? Let's say we all love each other and we work together real great and we trust and we still don't have good results as a team what next hey that's next week you know we'll get into what happens if you have trust but you still have problems with your team from a consulting perspective from a coaching perspective what is next what's next yep excellent so good well until next week uh hey reach out to us um send us an email or Check out our website. Check out our website. You name it. Um, We are here to help you guys and uh, really help your teams win. So until then, uh, take really good care um, of your customers, even better uh, care of your team members. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Take care, everyone. Okay. Sounds good. Until next time. Hey, thank you for listening to the very first episode of The Consultant and the Coach. Uh, If you would like more, uh, reach out. Uh, you can check us out on our website, theconsultantthecoach.com. Look at our show notes. So listen to us next week. And until then, lead your team very, very well.